Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to new listeners. What is I Seem Fun, the diary of Jen Car... God damn it! This is exactly what it is. I couldn't even say my own name. And I almost just hit pause so that I could edit this out. But screw it. That's what this podcast is. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, is a solo podcast done by me, comedian Jen Kirkman. You may remember me from Chelsea Lately or Drunk History. You may have read my books. You may have seen my Netflix specials. I'm going to die alone and just keep living. This is where I go to say whatever the hell I want. There doesn't have to be punchlines. It doesn't have to be politically pleasing to any particular group. It doesn't have to be funny. It can be sincere. I've cried on this podcast before. I've definitely been funny on this podcast before. I've been informative. I've been stupid. I've just been a human. This is where you can go to for free, listen to a performer, riff for an hour, about what went on in their mind, in their world, in their life that week. I started this podcast in 2013 when I was a writer and performer on the Chelsea Lately Show. Because of how fun that show was and I was doing things like Drunk History, a lot of people thought I was a very fun party girl. And so they were coming to my shows drunk and screaming things out and I realized this is out of control. People need to know that I seem fun, but I'm really not fun. I'm, I like to do dumb things like stay home on Friday night and make lists. And I like to not be wasted and shouting things out if I'm in the audience somewhere. I wanted a podcast for people to find the real me. And it's been one of the most fun things that I've ever done in my creative life. So, If you start listening to the podcast and you feel lost and you feel like it's a conversation that you're not part of, that's kind of what it feels like. But if you stick with it, you'll start to understand that it's random and you can be part of it anytime you want. I will read you a review from the Onion AV Club, 
What makes I Seem Fun funny is Kirkman's inherent knack for cultivating conflict, even talking into a microphone in a room by herself. Whether she's dissecting a negative iTunes review from an angry Christian or seriously considering a class action suit against Robin Thicke for being gross, Kirkman is eternally embattled, but she tempers her cynicism with sweetness, and more often than not, she's right. Get ready to step inside to I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Welcome. I seem fun. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Sunshine, go away today. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 276. Welcome to Daylight Savings. Saving. Savings. Ugh. I fucking hate spring ahead. I hate spring. That's right. I don't like the season of spring. I think it's oppressively depressing. <laughs> Pain. It is. How much does it cost? I'll buy it. It just makes me want to do karaoke in my house all day. <laughs> oh, what is it about spring? Don't force this. This is probably how people feel about the holidays, isn't it? Sunshine, sunshine, go away today. Don't feel much like dancing. I think that's what it is. I finally get it. I mean, I always understood, but now I feel you. I feel you. You could just go, could everyone get off my genitals here with this, whoa, 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 with this joy that I'm supposed to be having in this, that's right. What I, what don't I like about spring? I just, I think it just, it starts with an inconvenience. It starts with losing an hour of sleep on a weekend. I work weekends. I'm always on the fucking road. I always forget. Oh, my God. Thank God I didn't have a morning flight. I almost booked a 7 a.m. flight, which means up at 5 a.m., which means be done at work at 1 a.m., which means it's really 2 a.m., three hours sleep, if that. That means you have to be asleep within five minutes of your job finishing to even consider three hours. Thank God. Thank God that didn't happen. We'll get into spring in a minute. Everybody, I need to emphasize, I will be at Desert Ridge, in Desert Ridge, Phoenix. Phoenix, Desert Ridge, Scottsdale, all that little area at Copper Blues Live. This is the rescheduled date from February 2nd, March 16th, 7 o'clock. I I checked. I dealt with it with the club owner. I talked to my opening act, Tony Tripoli who was fabulously hilarious. And he said, you know what? People don't really do stuff on St. Patrick's Day in Phoenix. I know there's a parade Saturday day, but that's what you're going to do. You're going to come out. You're going to tell people you know to come. I want this thing sold out. It only seats 300 people. I mean, we can do that, right? So please do come. Please tweet about it. Hashtag JK Tour 19. Get my attention. If you bought tickets, put it on your Instagram story. Tag me. I'll add it to my stories. That stuff helps. We had sellout crowds in Dallas this weekend. This, I'm telling you, 
that is the stuff of stuff. So people like to see that other people are going to where they're going and it makes them want to go. Everything else that is on sale currently at the end of March, I will be with you in Portland, Oregon. Five shows to choose from. I'd say put yourself in those early shows. That's that's the, You have the best chance of catching me selling and signing books after the show. I usually run out of books by the last show. Uh, then I will be in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and Salt Lake City in April. I mean, sorry, not just Pittsburgh and Philadelphia in April. And then in May, Omaha, Kansas City, St. Louis, and Salt Lake City. All of those are on sale now. Kansas City only seats 200. I would get the tickets today. There won't be any at the door. Don't mess around with that. Um, if we do add a second show, we cannot do it last minute. We would have to do it within the next couple of weeks. So if you're going to sell out the show, do it sooner than later. If not, then there won't be a second show. And then Brooklyn and Boston on sale. Those aren't until September, September 11th in Brooklyn, September 13th in Boston. But everything is on sale on my website, jenkirkman.com. Click tour. And I'm adding about 20 more cities. My agent is just working out all the details. Oh, and there'll be some other countries too. It'll be a little UK run. And uh, Toronto. Uh, probably hit Vancouver, but that's it for Canada. So, 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 so. Sorry, that was not a burp. That was like a little weird water thing in my throat. So, anyway, get those gosh darn tickets. Yeah, so, wow. Okay. I don't know. I, listen, I I guess I'm one of these people that doesn't think we should have daylight saving time period, but I don't, I'm not passionate about it. So if I'm wrong, you know, it's one of those things where I don't want people to go, well, then it ruins the lives of this group of people. Like, oh no, I'm so sorry. I wasn't even thinking, you know, as, as we're talking about just my selfish take, I, I think I wouldn't. I think I'm fine with getting, doing away with it. I'm just wondering what that means for when it gets dark out in the winter. So it always sort of, see, I like turning back the clock and it's like dark at 4.30 sometimes. I love it. And I was just reading something about how light is terrible for creativity. So maybe there's something, you know, like false light. Um, I'm going to read this. But... Oh, it's office fluorescent lights drain your will to work, but dim lighting sparks creativity. So I don't know if you know this. So German research, a darkened room encourages freedom of thought and inspires innovation. Um, darkness increases freedom from constraints, which in turn promotes creativity. A dimly lit environment, they explain in the Journal of Environmental Psychology, elicits a feeling of freedom, self-determination, and reduced inhibition, all of which encourage innovative thinking. Innovative. So that's my thing. Guys, I need to be innovative over here. I, <laughs> this creativity that you're hearing, this isn't someone sitting on a beach with a fluorescent light bulb over their head. This is from the darkness. And I, you know, I live in California, so it's, 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 usually sunny every day. We've been having some weather. We've been having rain and clouds for the last two months. And I found it gosh darn delightful. And there's a little bit of a sadness that my hibernation is coming to an end. 
I mean, I haven't really been hibernating. I'm out and about every day working, but when I am home being creative and writing, it's nice and rainy and I get to hear the sound of the rain and I get to hear the, I get to hear the clouds. I don't know how things work. Um, it's been truly delightful. I don't know what's going on if it has to do with aging. I'm sure I could Google it. Is it, I don't know what it is, but in the last, I'd say three years, I just grew such an intolerance for oppressively nice weather every day and too much heat and humidity. I mean, I know no one likes heat and humidity. It doesn't actually bother me physically. It just bothers me aesthetically. Like I want to wear certain things. Um, I don't know what it is. And I'm, I'm working on writing right now. I'm writing so many damn things that, I don't know. I don't know. I hope it changes because I really don't want to be someone who only enjoys one kind of weather. I used to enjoy all of it. Um, but yeah, so I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. Nobody believes me. Everybody gives me their, no, you if you only had winter all the time, you would eventually want it to be summer. I go, yeah, but not for as long as you think for like two days. I don't know what's happening. And it's not that I feel depressed and I want the weather to match it. I'm so happy as the Jesus and Mary chain sang, so happy when it rains. Uh, what? You don't know that song. Guys, come on. Aunt Jen's here with her Gen X music. The Jesus and Mary Chain are a great fucking band. And I think they're from Scotland. And I remember, uh, they never really got too hugely famous. To be honest, like, without the internet in my life at the time, I don't even know how I found out about them. Probably a neighbor put them on a mixtape. But I had their album, Darklands. And, um... They did a great song called Head On, which I think is a cover of a Pixies song. But as you guys know, I'm not the biggest Pixies fan. My mother just sent me an email. I'm going to see the Weeza and the Pixies. This is Happy When It Rains. Happy When It Rains, everybody. So anyway, so I, I see them at Lollapalooza. Um, I'll find the, I'll get to the remote. The remote, the repeat, the refrain. Whew. Somebody's brain hasn't been turned on for the day and days half over. <laughs> Tinny might just be a wash. Uh, um, we'll get to the refrain. Maybe they don't actually say I'm happy when it rains. I think they do. Anyway, I was at Lollapalooza in 1992 because, of course. And, uh, oh, here we go. Where is it? And I'm happy when it rains. They take their sweet time getting to the refrain, don't they? Anyway, so they're playing Lollapalooza, and they're an actual good band. They're, you know, great musicians. They're atmospheric. They should be the most famous band there. But of course you got your fucking, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing, right? And they're, you know, and look, they're, are they good? Sure. Who doesn't like a slap bass over and over? But, you know, they're jockish and cheesy in California. And this is Scotland and we've got our black on and we're, you know, they're that. And then you got Anthony Kiedis and Flea and everyone. They had um, flames coming out of their hats and socks and their things and 
you know, they're just out there being all chili peppers about it. And everybody, you know, is like, it was an all day festival, right? So you've got these guys out there and they're playing in the daytime, you know, it's still light out and it's like, they're technically opening for the chili peppers and there's like, that place is half full and, and people aren't listening. And these guys are up there like, we're fucking good, guys. You you animals that only like the popular thing that isn't even that good or creative. And they just walk off stage and they're like, fuck you. <laughs> and something in me even then went, I relate. <laughs> I fucking relate. And then here we go. Ooh, ooh, basic people. <laughs> here they come. Everybody starts tearing down this wall. This it was at what it was now called like a bank center, but it was called Great Woods. And people started tearing down this wooden wall and setting it on fire because the chili peppers had fire on their head. And I think it inspired the stupid people. Like just because you like the chili peppers, it didn't mean you were goth or alternative or punk. It didn't. It just it meant you were someone who liked this. Like, well, Jen, you certainly had the Chili Peppers at the ready there. I only like one song by them, and it's this one, Show Me Your Soul, which was in Say Anything, um, which now is cannot even be watched because John Cusack is a Bernie bro who attacks black women and men on Twitter. He's completely lost his mind. I really like this song, though. Show Me Your Soul is the name of it. Okay. Um, how did I get here? How did I get here, kids? Oh, because I was talking about spring. Okay, so happy when it rains is JK. So I'm going to read you this thing. So I don't know what the answer is with daylight saving because I want it where it naturally gets dark at five when it's supposed to. And, and what I don't understand is I was like, didn't I just, like, as I was turning my clock, of course, I come home Sunday and all the clocks are wrong. Like, Wah! <laughs> it's stuff like that that can just, you know, I'm the most prolific, proactive, never stop kind of person. And it's something like coming home to like, you know, a couple electronic clocks and a couple like battery powered clocks I have being an hour I just didn't want to be reminded of what time I know it really is in my heart but I have to turn it ahead and I was just like I wish I'd thought of it before I left for the weekend but I didn't know I don't think I knew until I got to my destination and then I was like what but I was like hadn't I just touched this clock like less than six months ago I said clock you pervs hadn't I just touched this clock less than six months ago. And then I looked, no, the daylight savings was like November 3rd this year, which is so, I know George W. Bush just moved it one time because he was like, I'm president. Like, I'm going to do something. I'm the boss now. Like, I really do think every president has one weird thing that they're like, I can do whatever. And I think that was his. I'm just changing when daylight savings is. So, and I know it's saving, not savings, but it's just the way it is. You know, I'm going to say ATM machine, which is automatic teller machine machine. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to, I'm going to live out loud imperfectly. So anyway, so we haven't even had December, January, February, March. We've only had four months of fallback. So it used to be six and six equally. I could have sworn it was always like early April and then end of October. 
And uh, because it, a Halloween, you got to turn the clock back so you can start trick-or-treating early. Sometimes we trick-or-treat before dinner. Five o'clock, people, get out there. Get home from school around 3.30. Get your costume on. And then now it's dark out. So absurd to me that it was like still light out at six on Halloween this year and all the recent years since G-dubs moved it. So I don't know. So I don't know. I don't know where I stand. Um, but I just looked up this article. I get if you have kids though, that you totally want it to be light out later. I don't know if kids are still allowed to go outside and play. (laughs) If they are, I get it. I get it. Um, you know, I can't, the, what I want is so not, um, it doesn't really work long-term, like getting dark at 445. It just doesn't. It's just sort of like, and I can set, like when I had office jobs, it's, there is kind of, it's this shitty feeling to get out of work at five and it's dark out. It, it just makes you want to like go for that glass of wine immediately or go for that like big comfort food meal. And it's like, if it's not dark till seven, you know, at least with me where I live, I can go hiking on a trail that's like right there, you know, uh, half a mile from where I work. So I totally get it. I guess I don't always want, but I need more than four months of it getting dark at five. I need more. Give me six. Just give me six. So, but I don't know. I'm trying to think of like, why do I hate spring? I feel like it's that same thing that I don't like about the first week of January. Everybody's like, get in my summer beach body, get in my fucking this. It's springtime. Ooh, ooh, you know, and just kind of like everyone's energy ramps up, but it's like frenetic and I, I don't know. And it just sort of, I think it's honestly like DNA coded like trauma from growing up Catholic, like not actual trauma, but it was like, oh, it's spring time for the story of Jesus. And you spend two weeks. It's like you do Lent. You give up something for 30, 40 days. Then you hear he was in the desert. Now he's carrying his own cross and stumbling and everyone's pointing and laughing at him and he has crowns in his head. And now there's... They're putting him up on the cross and banging nails into his hands. And now he's bleeding and he's saying, you assholes, I did this for you. And you're just like, I don't really know what that means, but okay. And everyone's sad. And then that's what the season is to me. It's just like a giant, um, you know, criminal punishment, capital punishment season um, of someone who apparently was very nice. And uh, the bad guys win. And then um, there's that. But then they go, no, 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 God, you're being negative. Put on your cute dress and we're going to go to church and it's going to be Easter and everything's fine. And I'm like, I get it, but is it? Because now he's back from the dead. And I know you go, I'm an atheist. I don't believe this. Yeah, I don't believe in this either. I'm just telling you what I, this, this was in my brain as a child going to church. So then you go to church. Oh, everybody, he's risen. And we have to forget all the suffering. It comes back. The women find him. It's always the women. Roll, roll back the tomb. They go, oh my God, Jesus is, is gone. And they see him walking around. He's like, it's really me. Look, I've got the holes in my hand to prove it. And I go, oh my God. But everyone's sort of like keeping it on the DL. And I don't know how they didn't kill him again. I don't really remember the whole story. But he's kind of walking around Earth for like 30 days. And then he ascends into heaven. But it's not like everyone watched it. I feel like more people watched him get killed. And by the time it's like ascension time, it's like one of those off holidays. You know, Easter's a, 
a big thing. To me, coming back from the dead, both are crazy. But ascending into heaven, this is what it says in the teachings. He ascended into heaven. So after he came back from the dead and wandered the earth, I'm sure many of you who didn't study religion or have to go to church growing up were wondering, well, wait, where did he, then what happened? Did he just live to be an old man and die? No. On the 30th day, or 40th day, he rose into heaven, just straight up got raptured, full bodied. Boom. There goes Jesus like a rocket. I don't know how fast or slow he went. (laughs) He could have been going real slow. And is he gone yet? I want to look away, but I don't want to be rude. The sun is in my eyes directly. I'm like, he's going real slow. Or I don't know if he was just like, I think it's very bizarre to watch a grown man or anyone, or even if it was a child, just a human body go into the sky. I think that would be terrifying, shocking. And I don't know why we just like, oh, it's Ascension Thursday. You're going to church now. We don't have to, but you know, Ascension Thursday, like we don't concentrate on that stuff. Now that makes me wildly anxious anyway. So for me as a kid, there was always this sad three days that we had to go to church and you had to hear about how governments, uh, and people came together to kill someone. <laughs> and you didn't really understand why. And that he's not coming back. Or he is, but he's waiting. There's just this sort of, bleh, you know? And it's like, the sun might be shining, but the ground is still soggy. So there's always a bit of a wah, wah about spring, you know? Get your nice white shoes. Oh, grass stains. I think spring has a fucking melancholy to it. So, ugh. And I think winter doesn't. That's what's strange. I think winter has this, I don't know. I Maybe I got rewired wrong in the last few years. So, but I, I looked at this um, website. It's called bestlifeonline.com. I just Googled people who hate spring. I wanted to see if there was like a psychological problem wrong with us. Um, and this is called 20 Reasons People Hate Spring. Uh, Oh, seasonal allergies. I don't have those, thank God. The time changes. Everyone's fed up with the switch. Um, Blah, blah, blah. I think that's what it is. It does start with an inconvenience. Like, I've been slumbering. Like, I'm like a bear and I just got poked. And someone's like, ha ha, now it's this time. Oh, geez, give me a minute here. It's time to file your taxes. That's another reason. That's true. Three, you're more likely to get dumped. I didn't know this. Per data cobbled from Facebook status updates, more breakups occur in March than any other month of the year. Among college students and recent graduates, this practice is referred to cynically as spring cleaning. <laughs> Four, there's nothing good on TV. Well, that's ridiculous. Uh, whether it's Oscar bait uh, or things on Netflix, the creme de la creme comes out in the fall or the winter. winter um Blockbusters, you get summer, you get blockbusters and beach reads. The spring gets nothing. I guess so. The roads are more dangerous. Um, Particularly popular springtime weekend is the most deadly period to drive in the year Memorial Day. Lots of car crashes. Alcohol is the reason. Spring break. Woo! If you live in Florida, spring break, March 1st to April 15th, when universities typically schedule weeks off, is the most tourist clogged time of the year. I think that's the other thing too, is I always had spring break in college and that's when I would like go do more work. Like now I met my waitressing job and my library job and my ticket sales job. Like I'm just going to work nine jobs, you know, 
um, your kid is going to be stressed out. Oh, because they have college finals. Um, so then that stresses the parents out. Finals in the fall lead to a month-long break, whereas in the spring they lead into summer internships or worse, graduation into the real world and job hunt. I graduated in June, though. I think that is summer. Graduation congestion. I don't know. Spring St. Patrick's festivities are a doozy. Uh, people drink too much and then they're hungover. That's just one day, though. Uh, it's a holiday wasteland. There's no three-day weekends. You go from February, President's Day, all the way to Memorial Day without a three-day federal holiday. Uh, mosquito bites. We don't have them in LA. We didn't used to. Now we do. You're itchier and you cough more. It's impossible to pick a consistent outfit. That is so fucking true. Oh my God, that is so true. It could be anywhere from like 50 degrees to 80 degrees. You're like, what do I wear? Um, for fashionistas, it's the end of sweater and boot season. That is true. I get sad about the clothing. It can be torrential rains. This is okay. This person just like looking for things. Puddles ruin everything. That was my thing. I said, right, right. Um, the entire concept of spring cleaning. I don't do mine in the spring. I do like a pre, pre and post Christmas cleaning. It's the end of winter, which is a bummer for snowboarders, ice skaters, snowshoers, snowmobilers, ice sculptors, blah, blah. And it means summer is around the corner for those of us who hate summer. I don't hate summer. Um, I, but I prefer summer to spring. I like fall, winter, summer. Like those seasons are all just very balls out to me. Spring is just like, nah, I don't know what it is. Um, great, great. There's that. But so many things I want to talk about today. Um, but I want, oh, so, okay. So I'm in Dallas this weekend and I go to this hot yoga class. And there's, there's this chain of uh, yoga places. It's not Bikram yoga. It's regular, you know, vinyasa flows and all that kind of thing, but it just is in a heated room. So you're just enjoying some extra sweating. And I love this place because it's a one hour class. And, you know, a lot of these kind of yoga flow classes are 90 minutes. So I ain't got time for 90. So I like the one hour of it all. And I, uh, enjoy that it's it's sort of it's like uh this isn't a, a comment on its quality but it's like mcdonald's you know what you're getting like okay if i go here there's locations all over i've gone to the ones in arizona i've gone to the ones in oregon i've gone to the ones in new york and la and dallas not to brag i go to the same yoga chain all over the country people that's the kind of life i'm living oh which by the way i'll get to that in a minute so but I go and I get, I had this, do you ever get those feelings? Like I'm laying in bed and I go, I think I'll go to the early one, the, the one at 9.30 in the morning. But I'd, you know, gone to bed at one the night before, but I'd slept, you know, I got like seven, eight, seven and a half, eight hours sleep. I was like, do I need to like rush right now and like get out of bed and go down the street to this class? So I was like, I'll go to the 11. Something in my soul was saying, you're going to regret this. And I gosh darn did because I didn't like the teacher at the 11. And I was like, I knew that I already liked the teacher at the 930 because I'd gone to her the day before. But, And this is why, and I'll tell you guys all about this annoying fella, but this is why 
even though I love to go to Pilates classes and, and things like that, I always love to have the option to do my own workout, even sometimes at home when I can't make the time to get out of the house, if it's a writing deadline or something and I'm just, but there's never for me a kind of workout that I want to do. Like I, I am not, so I had, I was asked by my ad guy, he said, we've got this uh, company, you know, uh, and he said the word workout and I went, no. I don't want I don't want them advertising with me. I'm not doing one of those PDX90 jumping up and down. I don't do that stuff or those new bikes that, you know, like I don't want any of that crap. You know, I do my Pilates based kind of workouts. I love micro targeting muscles. I love doing these small little workouts that target muscles that burn your butt and your abs and your this. And then I f- realized that the people that wanted to advertise were exactly that. And so I was so happy that I brought mine with me over the weekend in Dallas because the third day I didn't go to hot yoga because I couldn't risk any more bad teachers, but I had with me my P-Volve. That's right. P is in Peter. V-O-L-V-E. Welcome to our new sponsor. Now, have you ever finished a workout feeling sore you're too exhausted to function, and so you basically collapse on the couch, watch Netflix all night, and order in to reward yourself. That's not really the point of working out, but it's often the result, not with Pvolve. Here's the deal. Pvolve is the completely science-backed method that will help you achieve the beautiful natural muscle tone you're looking for and feel your best while doing it. It is the opposite of a grueling high-impact painful workout. The Pvolve method method is based on mastering precise movements that activate hard to reach muscles so you can create visible results in less time using less energy. I'm telling you, this is the type of workout that I always do. And people will go, your arms look sculpted, your legs look great. I have friends that do these, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like those soul cycle and all that. I shouldn't say other brand names. Beep, edit that out. Um, you know, like the bike classes and the whatever. And they're sweating and maybe they're burning tons of calories, but That's not how we change our bodies. We change our bodies by getting those hard-to-reach muscles and developing them. And then they just burn fat on their own. But when you work out so hard, like I hate that, like live hard, play hard. Well, then you're going to just get, you're not going to get hard. You're going to get in the middle. You're going to be like up and down and they're going to cancel each other out. So I've never understood that. So here's what you do. You download the app. You watch tutorials and you see dozens of before and after pictures and then you try P-Volve free for one month plus you get 20% off the P-Ball at pvolve.com slash fun. So that's P-V-O-L-V-E dot com slash fun. This is the best deal that they have anywhere. Get a free trial for one month and 20% off the P-Ball at pvolve.com slash fun. They sent me a few great items. One is like something that you put between your legs. One is a ball. I love it. It's exactly the kind of exercising that I do on these like, you know, Pilates machines at my Pilates workout and, and at other classes I've taken. Um, like if you do those pop physique classes or stuff like that, it's a very similar kind of thing. So 90% of women who have tried the P-ball, a revolutionary inflated ball and an elastic band found it effective in targeting thighs, butt, and ab muscles within two weeks. You can stream workouts ranging from 15 to 60 minutes. I'm telling you, you don't 
I mean, 15, you are feeling it and it's amazing and I love it. And it's like now my new travel thing. I take it with me. New classes each week on the Pevolve app or online. Shape calls Pevolve the burn so good workout that the Victoria's Secret Angels swear by. So there you go. Entirely backed by science. It's about how your hip flexion translates to core strength, how your joint function translates to muscular function, and how muscles can be pushed safely past plateau points. Small muscles, small movements performed with perfect form yield the biggest results. Trust me, people. I've been doing these kind of workouts for a long time, and I've never... I've never had a way to make it portable, and this is the greatest. So download the app, watch the tutorials. Pevolve, free for one month, plus 20% off of the P-Ball if you go to pevolve.com slash fun. Awesome. Thank you, new sponsor. So yeah, I get to this class. This guy, so annoying. Look it. Whatever gets you happier, whether you go to a 12-step program, whether you go to therapy, whether you go to meditation class, whether you read great works, whether you do yoga, I get it. For me, I have to do a combination of a lot of things to get my spiritual aptitude up, to get um, good vibes going. So I don't even know which thing I do is contributing on any given day to my good mood, right? Or being of service to others or doing whatever. I need to do a little bit of everything. And that's how I live. And I think it's a little dangerous. I mean, obviously, like, you know, therapy is like a really important way to like change your cognitive thinking. So I'm not saying that you can't just do one thing. But in other words, when someone is like, this thing saved my life and changed my life, and then they're all into it and they think you need to be as into it, those aren't my people. And that's why when anyone asks for advice on things, I'm very hesitant to give a thing. Because if you tell someone this works for you, this is the thing... Do you know what I'm saying? Like even within, if you went to like AA, my friends in AA, like it's not just AA. It's like it teaches, it's like, it, 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 it's not a thing you do. It's just like a community you're in of people who are trying not to drink one day at a time, but you have meditation and you have, you can go to therapy and you can do this. Like, but when, when this particular yoga place that I'm thinking of at the end of every class, they're like, so I was really lost and I started taking classes here and then they have teacher training workshops and I never thought that I could be a teacher and I started taking it and it's changed my life. And they go on with this big sell. I think that's how they make their money ultimately is they want everyone who takes lessons there to then take their teacher training. And it's so annoying because you've just done Shavasana. This is your private practice time and now you're ready to leave the room and they're like, just one more thing. And then they start going into the pitch. It's like, I'm not going to be a yoga teacher, period, end of story. But a lot of the people there in their 20s, whatever, they have their whole lives ahead of them. I don't. I got to get the fuck out of there and get back to living. So this guy, I just was annoyed with him from the first minute. And excuse me, men, I might go a little hardcore feminist here where you're like, Jesus, he's just trying to be nice. And it's like, you know what? I ain't in the mood for it. So I like come in and I sign up for the class. And then while the computer is loading up, that's when everyone panics and goes into their small talk. And I'm like just waking up. I'm like a little sleepy, like chicken at the front desk. I'm like, ugh. And he's like, oh, hi, my name is this, Sean or whatever. And he shakes my hand. Like your hand is sweaty from the class before. Don't shake someone's hand. I think shaking hands is really weird. You like reach over the counter and do that. Like don't touch people. You know, I just think it's presumpt- presumptuous. So then... um. 
I realized that I forgot my fucking yoga shorts at the hotel. No time to go get them. So I'm like looking around like, oh, can I just buy some real quick? So I, I, I buy them and it's like, I need to, I have one minute to like go change. I want to go put my towel and mat down and sit and like stretch for a minute. And he starts talking to another person, someone that's leaving, not, not someone that's coming in. So he's not like doing his job to anyone else. It's not like, I, you know, he just starts chatting, but he's holding the shorts in his hand, like about to ring them up. And he just forgets I'm there. And this woman comes over and goes, I'm going to take these out of your hand, Sean. She's like, sorry. She's like, I know you probably want to go get dressed and get into class. I'm like, yeah, I go, women always know these things. So imagine my surprise when I'm already like this guy, such a man just goes touching people without asking, not ringing up the shorts. He gets into class and he's like, so today's class um, for International Women's Day, this whole week I've been focused on feminine energy. And he kept saying female energy. Now, there's a thing among the woke people of this earth who say that female is sort of a kind of a gross, almost like Reddit alt-right kind of thing to call women. Like technically female is a, I forget what it is. And, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to Google it once and for all because I actually feel stupid in certain situations, it's wrong to refer it to as female. Um, and this is like, I think this is a little more like hardcore, um, which I'm totally fine with. I'm not saying we all have to feel this way, but I'm just going to read this quick article. Um, for as long as I can remember, I've been immediately skeptical of men who use the word female to describe women. Before I was able to put my finger on what exactly bothered me about their use of the word, I simply relied on historical record. The men I liked and respected weren't running around talking about females this, females that. For many who use the word, I'm sure it seems innocuous. If you listen closely to the howling winds of patriarchy, you can make out their cries. Why are ma women making such a big deal about one word? I don't mean anything negative by it. It's just a different way of saying women. Um... Oh, I guess somebody posted an article on BuzzFeed. Eight, six reasons you should stop referring to women as females right now. It's from, from 2014. Oh, because the words female and woman mean different things. Female is a scientific term that refers to the sex of a species that is capable of producing children. The term woman refers specifically to human beings, while female could refer to any species. Okay, that's what it is. Sorry, I feel really stupid that I didn't really quite understand that before. And so because reducing a woman to her reproductive abilities is dehumanizing and exclusionary. When you refer to a woman as female, you're ignoring the fact that she is a female human. It tends to reduce her to her reproductive parts and abilities. Also, not all women are biologically female. And the conflation of female to woman erases gender nonconforming people. So, and nobody casually refers to men as males. You know how males are, said literally no one ever. I hate when people say that. Um, because it is most often used to imply inferiority or contempt. Not always, and it's typically when female is used as a noun. Um, here's a fun exercise. Search the word female on Twitter and see what you get. Because it's grammatically weird, the word female in its primary usage is an adjective. When you use female as a noun, the subject that you're referred to is erased. <clears throat> For example, I talked to a female yesterday. A female what? A female kangaroo? A female rock snake? The subject of the sentence is not clear. I talked to a female presidential candidate yesterday. Now that sentence is about a human being. Uh, it should be noted that using female as an adjective can take a sexist turn. Re referencing uh, when used in a case that isn't notable. Re referencing a female firefighter, for example, is appropriate only when her being female is pertinent to the story. Otherwise, she's just a firefighter. Um, 
And most importantly, because the word you're looking for already exists, the word is women. Okay, so great. So that's what I'm thinking. But I know he doesn't mean it rudely, but the fact that he thinks he's Mr. Feminist and he doesn't even know this concept, and again, so am I, and I wasn't clear on it, but I know you don't just say females. So he was like, females, we're going to all, and I think women are so strong. And so I just hate that. There's a whole thing online about uh, people making fun of industry executives who say, we're going to have a strong female character in this movie. It's like every, everyone is strong, man, woman. Like we all have, we all go through this life, right? We have our ups, we have our downs. Most of us are strong people, even when we're feeling weak. Um, we're surviving the human race, right? It's just such a stupid condescending thing to say. So he kept saying, strong females, strong females. We're going to celebrate strong females. And we have a kick-ass playlist of strong female musicians. And I was just like, ugh. And it was driving me fucking crazy. And he kept saying, this female in my life, and he was referring to this teacher in the class. And this guy was like, you know, five pounds like weirdly on another planet, he would have been my type, like a scrawny, like kind of Kurt Cobain looking motherfucker. But I was like, you know what? I'm sick of you types. Like I'm going to fucking kick your ass. Like it was just like a weird thing was happening where like all my rage at these like kind of men were making me, I was losing it. And I hate being angry in yoga class. I'm already angry in chair pose. So he kept saying females. And then he said, let's go around the room. I'm sure all the women here have a female that empowered them that they'd love to tell me about. What? I'm not thinking about who's empowered me. I'm really not. It's, I I just woke up. I'm doing yoga. I'd like to sweat out some of this bloat from my flight. You know what I mean? Like female, just because I'm a woman, it doesn't mean that a female empowered me. Again, a female what? It doesn't mean that. It, It doesn't. And it's like, it could be someone I don't know. It could be something I'm too shy to say. Maybe it's Wonder Woman. It's not, but you know what I mean? Maybe it's Chrissy from Three's Company. I I don't need to, and, and again, he didn't realize his male privilege of, of not realizing that women don't necessarily want to sit around with men talking about feminism. Like he's learning about it and that's great, but you're not going to blow our minds, dude, with your new thing. And so he just said, Um, And I could tell that he knew I had his fucking number. Like I could tell he did not. Like I had my face on just my mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I was a little bit short with him out front when he just kept asking me how my day was and all this. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, that's why I'm coming to yoga. I'm going to find out how I feel. Haven't woken up yet. Haven't checked in with myself, Sean. So I could tell he didn't like that answer. But I'm just being honest. You want me to just say good? Is that what yoga is all about, Sean? So I'm sitting on the thing, on the mat, and uh, and he's like, and men, you know, even females can empower men. I'm like, oh my God, what do you think, it was stupid? So all the men were like, my mom, you know, blah, blah. But it's like, I can't say that my mom empowered me. My mom is loving and wonderful, but my mom is from the 50s, and I don't even think she knew she could empower herself. Like, I don't know who the women were that empowered me, just probably every woman I see that, I read about that. I go, Oh, their struggle with this. That helps me learn this. I don't know. I'm not sitting around thinking about it. I think that's what men don't understand is we're kind of forced into this feminism because of your oppression. You know, we're not sitting around thinking fucking about it. And so he's like, or you can say a quality about yourself that you've heard others say 
about you that you think is a compliment. So this one girl goes, um, I'm nice. Oh, great. And this other woman goes, I'm more stronger. I was like, that's great. That's not English. She spoke perfect English. She was American. Uh, not that you can't be, I mean, American, you know what I'm saying? Born, born in the USA. The English language is available to her as her first language. More stronger? And he's like, more stronger, right. And I'm just like, fuck off. Then he gets to me and he goes, uh, is there a female that empowered you? And I went, um, I don't know. It's really, I'd rather answer the other one about the quality of the self. And I said, I'm, I'm told I'm self-aware a lot. I think that's nice. He goes, great. And you know what's great about sharing energy in this room today is that, you know, someone here might be self-aware, but maybe they could use a little bit of nice and vice versa. I'm like, oh, this motherfucker is calling me not nice. Then he starts his women's playlist. It is so, shl- first of all, don't get mad at me. I'm sorry if anyone that is related to this band is listening. I hate the band heart. I'm not trying to. I have a visceral reaction to her voice. I hate that band. I don't like their music. And then I hear that song. Dun, 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 dun. I can't stand it. But that's his. Then he plays Joan Jett, Hate Myself for Loving You. He's like, we shouldn't hate ourselves. I'm like, if you don't shut up. And that's not even a good Joan Jett song. Like, I mean, it's fine. But it's like, you don't know Joan Jett if that's the song you picked, you know? And then, uh, you know, there's no like Riot Girl or Courtney Love or L7 or The Breeders or Loretta Lynn. Like, he literally had five women songs and then literally went into like male rock and roll. And I was like, I think he only knows five songs by women. I'm not kidding. I was just, I couldn't deal with it. And he just kept saying how the class was a female empowerment class and that today we're really focusing on, but he didn't like, he could have made it so much more interesting. This is the Joan Jett song you would play. Do you want to touch me? He could have been like, Okay, this pose is great for menstrual cramps. Sorry, guys, if you don't relate, but today it's for women. This pose is great for postpartum depression. This pose is great for accessing our voice, and women really need to be louder, you know? Or uh, whatever it is, you know what I mean? But the class had nothing to do with anything. He just kept walking around saying female energy. And then at the end of the class, he goes... There's this one woman I would like to thank. She's really cute. He said 19 things about her looks. And then he's like, she's in LA and she really empowered me during a bad time in my life, but I lost touch with her. I'm like, yeah, she probably dropped your number because you seem like a weirdo. And then he just kept talking about how this yoga saved his life and he was in a really bad place. I'm like, you're still in a bad place, but you're completely covering it up with this weird smile. Don't give me your female playlist. And in the end, he's like, if anyone wants to recommend any great female artists, I'm like, I want to recommend that you quit teaching yoga. I was so mad at this dude. God, he sucked. (laughs) Anyway, spring cleaning, though, if you want to spring clean, this next sponsor is blowing my face off. I am so into it. I got their stuff. Please let me tell you about them. You're going to love this. Grove. Oh my God, guys. 
please go right now to grove.co. It's not .com, co, grove, G-R-O-V-E dot co slash fun. That is grove.co slash fun. Spring is here. And if you want to do your spring cleaning, because I know that's when most people do it. I'm just the weirdo who does most of it in December, but I clean every week. Whether it's muddy footprints or pile of dishes after your first meal outside, you want your house to smell like spring on the inside. And Grove makes healthier home products accessible and affordable. Over half a million families shop at Grove.co for non-toxic dish soap, plant-based skincare, and tree-free bath tissue. Grove makes it easy to find the best natural eco-friendly products online and it delivers them to your door so you can make better choices for you and your family for just one click. So they delivered to me a bunch of Mrs. Myers products, seventh generation, Burt's Bees. I got a vanilla scented candle. I got great natural sponges to wash dishes with. It was the most beautiful care package I've seen. And now I don't have to go to the store for a good long while to get any of this. And it smells so good. Everything smells so good. They even sent this really beautiful spray bottle with these little lavender packets. So you sort of make your own healthy counter spray. And so I use that on my counters. It's the greatest. And I just love that I'm making it myself. I feel like I'm this au natural kind of woman. Um, You can select your favorite spring scents like peony, lilac, or mint. And new customers, you will get a free cleaning set in these limited edition scents when you place your first order of $20. You get free Mrs. Meyers Spring Hand Soap, Spring Dish Soap, Mrs. Meyers uh, Spring Multi-Surface Spray, Glove, a Grove Collaborative Cleaning Caddy, and Grove Collaborative Walnut Scrubber Sponges. So try Grove now before their exclusive spring offer runs out. Again. It delivers natural brands you love like Mrs. Meyers, 7th Generation, Burt's Bees, straight to your doorstep. Get this exclusive offer before it runs out. For a limited time, my listeners get a three-piece cleaning set from Mrs. Meyers Spring Scents, a free 60-day VIP membership, and a surprise bonus gift just for you when you sign up and place an order of 20 bucks or more. And you're going to need to. I mean, you've got to buy your cleaning supplies. This is the best way to do it. And it comes in a really nice box. Check out Grove and our special offer at grove.co slash fun. Grove.co slash fun. Again, you're going to get a three-piece cleaning set from Mrs. Meyer's Spring Scents 60-day VIP membership and a surprise bonus gift when you sign up and place an order of just 20 bucks or more. I have found my new way to live. So thank you, Grove, for sending me all that cool stuff. And now I'm a member and that's how it's going to go. Because I personally hate going to the grocery store and, you know, with my neck arthritis, I liked I, carrying all the heavy bottles of cleaning products. And for a while I would do sometimes grocery delivery, but I'm like, oh, one of the main reasons I was doing that was for all the cleaning supplies. And now the problem solved. It's just, it's amazing. Grove.co slash fun. So, so what else can I tell you? So I had beautiful shows in Dallas. I... You know, I don't know what's happening to me. I mean, well, first of all, last night or Monday night, I went to the memorial service for my friend Brody. And I went with some friends from Chelsea lately, Sarah, Chris, Heather. I saw all my friends there. I mean, I just every comedian that I've known for 20 years from, there's all different groups and sects, S-E-C-T-S of comedians. And 
it was just beautiful to watch the people talking about him. And there were people that we were like, who's that? It was like friends he knew from childhood. And it, it was just really, really special. But I mean, I was just like, here we go. Like, here I go sobbing. I hadn't really sobbed that hard. And I just, oh, I just fucking sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. Um, But besides that, besides that, I mean, it was like, it was freeing. It was beautiful. I felt so connected to my friends there. I felt it was just a beautiful thing. But that, that was my point is that, yes, it was for a friend who, who died, but it, (laughs) there's just, I've been so emotional. You know, I'm like such a sensitive little thing and not like in a bad way. Like I'm just, something's happening as I get older. I think it's called gener. Fuck, I forget the name. It's like when you appreciate younger people as you get older. Generationality or something. Um, Generation. Hang on. Appreciating. Ah, I don't know. It's a, my therapist called it something. It's, it literally has the word generation in it. Like, appreciate generation. Asian. <laughs> so it's, it's really a thing where when you have kids and then you have grandchildren, you, you have a real vested interest in wanting your kids to have kids. You just like keep wanting to see the new generations coming out, <laughs> like, like their cars. I want to see what this one looks like. And I just didn't think I would ever have that because I don't have kids. But my soul is being broken open where I'm really interested in people younger than me now. And I don't mean like, <laughs> that sounded gross, like dating. I want a 30-year-old boyfriend. That's not what I mean. I mean, I'm really, um, have a lot of sympathy, have a lot of empathy. I feel, you know, when I was in my 30s, I really hated teenagers. And I think that's totally fine. But I think as you get older, it can be really scary to be totally hateful of younger people because it's scary. It just means you, it's just a terrible feeling. Um, and so I'm glad to find that I don't, I'm not experiencing that. And, you know, like I did this interview with these kids, they're in their twenties, um, in Dallas and they wanted to talk about anxiety. And I was like, why is everyone in their twenties wants to talk to me about anxiety? And I'm, I'm just having such a hard time grasping that this internet did not help with any of that in the sense that there's still such a lack of understanding, even though you can Google it. You know, I had to go to the library when I was in high school. I was having anxiety. I didn't know the word. And I, I somehow knew to look up panic attack. Like, I don't even know, like divinely dropped into my head. And I was reading encyclopedic entries. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so, and that thing I read last week, all of you said last week's episode was really great. And that made me really happy. And Somebody was talking on the message boards about, you know, and if you want to join the secret Facebook group for I Seem Funners, you can go to twitter.com slash I Seem Fun Podcast. And in the bio is the link. And if you go to facebook.com slash I Seem Fun Podcast, same thing as well. And you can click the link and you can join the Facebook group where we talk about all things that we heard about, uh, all topics that, you know, talk about your own lives. It's not a cult worship of me. It's to talk about things that you've heard on the podcast and meet friends and relate to each other and whatever. But, you know, that concept of letting go. And I think someone was saying, well, I work hard for social justice and I don't want to just let go. And it's like, well, no, I mean, you obviously, it's just you approach your work with the same care, but without the gripping anxiety of this must work. It's like, 
there's love, there's flow, there's joy. You know, there can be joy of um, going to a protest. There can be joy in taking care of the sick. It's like you've got to bring, we can't bring this energy of like, this is why I don't like Bernie Sanders' angry fucking face who never smiles, you know, and revolution and this, everything's so angry. And it's like, yeah, we're angry, but some of the greatest spiritual leaders, you, you walk through that with joy and we should let the people that have been there really show us the way, you know, it's not about taking a picture and overreacting when the cops are cuffing you and being like, I fought for civil rights. Like, you know, nothing of the strength of people who are actually enslaved in this country. And then generations later, still having to, to come to terms with, with racism. Like, uh, there's a lot of faith and joy in those, in those, um, in, in groups of people who have been forgotten and tossed about like it, whatever. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is I want to start a thread on Twitter that like my, my friend Gary Goldman did a great thread about writing and he does like a writing tip every day. And I'd love to do a thread about anxiety, you know, whether it's a tip every day or it, it probably wouldn't be able to be as succinct as once a day. That So I'd probably have a longer thread that I would add to every once in a while, but it's a little bit of a daunting thing, but I did put the original tweet up there and said, would you guys like to hear more about generalized anxiety, panic disorder, or fear of flying? Those are the only three things that I can share my experience with. I don't know about the other ones. People are like borderline personality. I'm like, well, I don't have that. So I don't, I can't talk about it. And you guys can research that on your own. But um, anyway, I just realized that maybe I'll talk about anxiety and depression and all that stuff more and more because it, I keep going, well, didn't I talk about it once on this one podcast I did, you know, and didn't I mention it over here and it's like people are like more 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 so maybe that's like one little calling for me in a way to to be helpful with that stuff you know and and uh anywho so I'm in Dallas and the gentlemen that were Tony and and Nathan who were the opening act and the host were were great and they weren't like sexist dudes who were like women suck I'm an incel you know it wasn't that and the club manager on duty was great. And the club owner's wife was there. The club owners at a different, he was at the Dallas Fort Worth location. Everyone was just so lovely to me. And the crowds were great and it was nice and packed. And thank you all for coming. And, you know, it's still not my favorite thing to do a comedy club because there is just this low din chatter that can happen because people just don't respect comics at comedy clubs. It's just a weird thing. Um, but, I really had a beautiful time in Dallas. I really did. And I love when I see, you know, men in the audience and they're laughing at stuff that is, I think it's universal, but it is told through a woman's point of view. It is told through a woman's eyes of what it's like to be in the world as a woman. And I, I just, it, it just blows my heart open that there's men there. And, um, I, the set, the Saturday show, the 8 PM show, if anyone was there, the reason it started late, I, I walked in and I saw an old woman with ice on her nose and her face was bleeding and she, they were sitting in the back and I was like, oh my God. And I burst into tears and ran into the kitchen and I was like, what is going on? Staff was amazing. They handled it beautifully. Basically this old woman and her old husband were walking. They were probably maybe my parents age, like 80 or maybe a little younger. And the husband started to fall and he was holding his wife's hand so tightly, which is so sweet. <laughs> he took her down with him and she actually fell and hit her nose. And I was just so blown open and like crying and like not crying hysterically, making it about me. I was just in the little kitchen area that we wait before the show. And I was just like, 
I don't know them. I don't know if they were fans of mine. Because, you know, at comedy clubs, a lot of people just go because it's, it's like a casino in a way. Like, we just go to the club and they see whoever's performing. They may sometimes comedy clubs just give away free tickets. They may have had a Groupon. Like, I don't know if they were fans of mine. And um, I wanted to go over to her and in case she was and like this this is kind of egotistical but I was just thinking if she was a fan of mine and she really wanted to see the show and she was sad she had to leave because she hurt herself maybe she would want like a hug for me and me to say hey how are you but I was kind of hovering near them but they weren't really paying attention to me that the wait staff was on them and then the paramedics came the firemen like six firemen you know all surrounding this woman they brought her into the lobby she was sitting there she had a little bit of a headache but but the husband just like he was almost in tears because he felt so bad that he was the reason she fell and he ruined their night and they really wanted to stay. But she finally had to realize that she had a little bit of a headache and they were like, you should go to the hospital. And I don't know why it was just making me sad. I was just thinking, you know, these old people and they're around all these young people there and, you know, everyone trips and falls, but it probably was age related. And they're probably thinking like, we're just trying to fucking go somewhere and like, does aging have to get in the way? And I know it's a cycle of life, but I was just feeling very sensitive to it. <laughs> I was feeling very sensitive to the old people and to the young people. And, um, I'm just like a ball of fucking blubber lately. Like I'm just, there's just something happening in my, this must be solidly some middle age thing. You know, like I'm just, there's people in my life that I didn't want to talk to anymore that I'd worked with on the Chelsea show that I was, you know, kind of mad at them for some things. And, you know, I'm going to see them at a get together next weekend. And I saw them last night and I was like, what am I doing? Like these people were in my life, you know, just just like a lot of healing and stuff is going on. And, um, I'm so nostalgic and I'm so grateful and I just, I don't know what the fuck's happening, but, uh, so anyway, I'm reading a brilliant book. I'm really into, um, Rob Bell's podcast. And I know some of you may be like, what? what are you, what? Cause he was used to, he used to be a pastor. And so he, he does a podcast that's like, some of it's a Christianity focus, but it's more like he, he interprets the Bible and like does like historical Jesus, but he's like a, you know, hippie dippy spiritual guy. And he, uh, comedian Pete Holmes has him on his podcast a lot and they do stuff together. And, you know, he'll do shows at Largo with like Elizabeth Gilbert and stuff. Um, so Rob Bell's like cool as shit. Um, and I met him once and he was super nice. So, I was listening to his podcast and he had this magician on who wrote a book about doing magic and finding wonder in it. And I haven't finished the book yet, but from what I gathered from the interview, it seemed like he had a turning point where he was realizing I have to do this differently. And he sort of quit his tour and then went to India and learned this and now everything changed his life. And so I'm waiting for that kind of divine inspiration with, with my life. And maybe I've already had it or maybe I don't need to have it. Um, but I wanted to say after last week's episode that I feel like once again, I have to pull back a little bit and go, I'm okay. I just wanted to illustrate that touring is not vacationing and that there's so much stuff to do when you're a one, one woman production once on the road. Now behind the scenes, again, I have my business manager. They take care of my money. I have my manager for my career. I have my agent, the club bookers, like you know what I mean? If there's a problem, I can call my agent and go, Hey, like fire this opening act. You know what I mean? Like I have, and and my agent gets all the venues and 
I, I don't need any help. I, I, again, like the only thing you guys can do is if you can afford tickets, come see me. If you have social media and you want to tweet that you loved the show, do that. And buy my merchandise if you can. That's it. I don't need anywhere to stay. I don't need rides. I don't need free <laughs> home-cooked meals. Like that wasn't what I was saying. I, I have plenty of money to tour. I was just saying to the woman who thought my life was glamorous that there aren't private jets or tour buses. And the reality of touring is my agent will say, okay, so I have put you in the blah, blah theater in Georgia. And the reason I picked this theater instead of the other one is because I know the guy that works here and he takes good care of the comics and they can give you a guarantee. You know, even if one person shows up, you're going to make this much money. The other theater wouldn't do that. Oh, okay. I get it. Blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? They have a higher overhead or whatever. And then he'll say, so the least you could make at this theater is blah. And the most you could make upon selling out is blah. And if I can live on, I get all my tour dates. And if I can live on the low end, then I say yes to the deals. And so I only assume I'm getting paid on the low end until I get there. And I, if it sells out, then I, you know, I live, I get the higher salary, which is great. And a lot of times that does happen. Like I usually do, they call it bonusing. I usually make my bonuses, but it's just, I don't have the kind of career where it sells out the day it goes on sale. That's all I was saying. Now, every week I get a ticket count from every venue I'm performing in. So I know who's, you know, how many, so everything's fine. And I do hotels and a lot of times hotels are part of the deal. I can afford hotels. I'm very bougie. I do like kind of a nice boutique hotel. Um, I will do my upgrades to first class if they're not outrageous. Like I'm, I'm okay. I was just trying to say the glamour is just simply not there. I have toured with famous comedians, private jets, chefs, four seasons, limo drivers, security, glamour. I mean, it's just easier and glamorous. I was just saying I don't have that. But if touring in any way was a trouble for me, I wouldn't do it. If it was in any way depressing or something I couldn't afford, I wouldn't do it. So I just want everyone to, who's been reaching out to me, we can take it back just a notch. Anyway, um, oh, this was my whole point before I, I talk about this book. Somebody wrote to me and they, they, so I really want to apologize to Preston from Dallas. So Second show, Saturday night, the audience was just wildly drunk. It was, it was, you know, they were great, but it was just too drunk for my taste. So I had already sold out a book, so I didn't do a meet and greet after the show. And, you know, I was getting paid in the, in the manager's office and getting ready to go for the night. And some, somebody that worked there came backstage and said, there was a guy that had a note that he wanted to give you. You know, I think you could still catch him, but uh, here's the note. And I said, yeah, I think I'm going to not go out to a guy, like she didn't say he's gay. So I heard a man with a note and it's like the late show. That's usually when guys hang around and try to get me to go out with them. So I just hide. Um, so I apologize, Preston, if she had, if you led with the fact that you were gay, I might've come out. Um, so anyway, Jen, I was kicked out of my high school in 2013 for being gay. And tonight I brought my boyfriend to see you. You saved me. I owe you my life. Thank you for doing your podcast. I'm a chairman for the human rights campaign now because you empowered me. Thank you. I love you so much, Preston. That I started again to cry because that's all I did backstage this weekend. And I really want to thank you for telling me that and for saying that. And 
I don't take my job lightly and I do take it lightly. I know I'm just a dumb comedian, and but I know that things comedians say can really, really impact people. And I think it's really neat when that happens. A lot of comedians fall into an unfortunate trap of after they figure that out, they try to become more like inspirational people. <laughs> it's like, you don't need to do much more, you know? Um, I mean, I might do that stuff on my podcast, but this is separate than my act, you know? But I just wanted to say that it meant a lot. And I, of course, I'm going to take a moment to downplay my impact in your life and tell you that all of that was in you all along. And I was just something to focus your attention on to help guide you, I guess. And um, I certainly did nothing. You did all of it yourself. And I, uh, any wisdom I might have has been called from multiple sources and lots of different things that I read. And, you know, obviously females that have empowered me. Um, so I thank you. Anything you got from me, I'm sure, um, are things I've gotten from other people and I'm, I'm so happy for you. And, and I just, I love you. I just th I thought that was so beautiful. So thank you. That, that really just touched me. Um, and I know there's a lot of comedians out there who are selling out Madison Square Garden, but I don't know if they get notes like that. And I'd rather get notes like that. Why not? Why not both? <laughs> anyway, so I really liked, um, speaking of tour, I really liked, so I got this magician's book and it's really beautiful and it's kind of a spiritual journey and I think you guys will like it and I'm highly recommending this book. Um, of course, I can't see the name right now. Um, uh, Here is Real Magic by Nathan, wait. Here is Real Magic by Nate Staniforth. Uh, and it's a great memoir. Anyway, so I'm going to read you a little bit because I thought he wrote about touring really well because once again, I got emails all weekend. Go here in Dallas. Go there. I'm like, why are people recommending these wine bars for me to go to? I literally am at work from 7 p.m. to 1.30 in the morning. Like, I'm not going anywhere and I don't want to. I'm so tired. Like, I get my nails done. I went to hot yoga. I was writing on my book pitch. I return emails. Like, I have so many fucking jobs. I'm always working. Like, there's no... And that, but that's how I relax on the road. It's my little shell, you know? So anyway, I like how he wrote about um, a magician's tour. And um, I think this is probably true for comedians and musicians as well. Like a true sea voyage is a place unto itself, a wilderness somehow larger than the sum of cities, venues, hotels, and airports within it. It's a place of constant, restless, searching movement, a hunting ground where you leave behind home and table and bed and go out to find what you are looking for. Um, Melville, who wrote Moby Dick, said, quote, it's not down on any map. True places never are. When I began touring, I was unprepared for every aspect of the journey, the scope, the scale, the late nights, the early mornings, any sense of accomplishment at finally being able to tour with my show was replaced within the first week or so by the realization that I had ventured into the deep and didn't know how to swim. When you're successful, you can plan your tour, so you work your way slowly across the country, doing a show in one town and then performing in the next town a few hundred miles away the next night. But when you're just starting out, you go wherever you can get work, and so a tour schedule ends up hauling you from one side of the country to the other from day to day, and you might cross the country four times in a week just to work as often as possible. So I don't have any of this, really, but um, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, there was this part. This is what I really related to. Here's what I know. 
The combination of travel, performance, caffeine, and adrenaline muddled the days and nights of the tour schedule into one unrelenting blur. I'd arrive at the airport after hours of driving and then sleep while my body hurtled across the continent, curled up in my window, coach seat with my hood up, sunglasses on, and earplugs in. I don't do that. I'd wake on the other side of the country with no spatial understanding of where I was or where I had been. Then I'd spend the day in the depths of a sunless theater preparing for the show. Then I'd do it again and again and again. I was never really in Georgia. I was never really in Tennessee. I was on... Tor, capital T. And Tor was its own place, a secret nation of airports, hotels, rental car counters, loading docks, and theaters, where you'd leave a hotel at three in the morning, check into an identical hotel, same design, same lobby, same carpet. Outside, the world rushed by the windows of the planes and the cars while I hung on incredulous tried not to fall off. And that's exactly what Tor is. When, when you think, when you see that I'm in Dallas, I'm not in Dallas, I'm in Tor, you know? So I don't care about what wine bar I should go to. That's not what I'm doing. Um, I also really loved this one part. He talked about how angry he thought the crowd was at him. Um, And I've talked about this, the secret hatred for performers, such as that, such as that letter that that mother wrote me. So I'm just going to read a couple pages um, of this because I really love it. And then, um, I think that's all I want to talk about after that, but stay, stay for the end of that. Um, a few weeks after, okay, blah, blah, blah. On this particular leg of the tour, I was closing the show with an escape from a straitjacket, and when I asked for volunteers to restrain me, eager hands shot up throughout the theater. Two massive young men vaulted up to the stage, and they spent the next five minutes binding me so tightly that I couldn't stand upright. I was at their mercy. As they wrapped the straps around my body, the jeers rose from the audience, one after another. You've got him! Get him! Make it hurt! This last one got my attention. I caught the heckler's eye, front row, just a few years younger than me. He had his fist up in the air. He looked right at me as he shouted again, Get him! He called, Make it hurt! The show hadn't been great, but this was too much. I had been amazed before at the way a simple magic trick could create so much wonder and joy. At this show, I witnessed the other side. These people had seen what I had to offer, and some of them genuinely hated it. The music began. I'd been using part of the rondo from Beethoven's Sonata No. 2 in F, a thin, eerie medley, to contrast with the brutality of the escape from the straitjacket. The secret to the straitjacket escape is simple. You just do it. There is no secret method other than the agonizing inch-by-inch struggle to slowly extricate one hand and then another before unbuckling the rest of the straps. As I writhed on the floor, fighting for each inch of slack necessary to free my first hand, the audience drowned out the music. Maybe half of them were with me, but half were very much against me. Where had this anger come from? Afterward, after the eventual escape, the ending of the show, the drive back to the hotel... I thought about the enmity, uh, the enmity, why do I feel weird saying that word? My show had created in that audience. It wasn't new. I had seen it before, expressed differently, but still there. But that night it had reached a fever pitch and I saw something there I hadn't seen before. The resentment felt toward magicians is not just because magicians are ridiculous. Sometimes we are. But our society is filled with ridiculous people doing ridiculous things. 
it doesn't just come from the hype, the bombast, the over-the-top showmanship so often associated with the magician's craft. Hype and bombast are all around us. Look at the music industry or reality TV. The anger, and I do believe it is anger, toward the modern magician, and I'm going to say comedian too, you guys, comes from the way even a simple magic trick done well can reach uninvited into the deepest hopes of a person. People have hard lives and something like magic that promises a moment of real joy or even a new way of seeing the world threatens to unseat whatever insulation they have managed to erect between themselves and that hardness, whether it's cynicism, nihilism, escapism, or elitism. The cultural resentment toward magic comes from the sadness found in the space between the universal human longing to believe in magic and the overwhelming evidence all around us that there is no such thing. It's not that a modern audience doesn't want magic. It's that they want it so badly, but have already decided it's not out there and dislike being told that maybe they were looking in the wrong place. Isn't that great? So, highly recommend that book. Um, and there's new merchandise. Um, the, one of the funny, one of the designers over at Tee Public, he sent me an email. He goes, I know you didn't ask for this because normally everything that um, is up in my store is an idea I've had. I'm like, can you make a thing that maybe has a fist and like a logo looks like this or, you know, whatever. And he made a fucking hilarious design that says, join my fucking email list. <laughs> and I don't know, this is for the diehard fan. So again, you can get it in a t-shirt, a hoodie, a sweatshirt, a mug, a computer case, a iPhone case, stickers, notebook, you know, whatever. But it's up now and there's a 30% off sale if you use my special code. And that special code is, oh boy, JKTOR19. So if you use JKTOR19, you will get 30% off for the next week um, and of everything, but there is new merchandise. So until next week, have fun. <laughs>